talking uh, to one of our, a couple of our elders, and I am just, for our church, the size of our church, we are so blessed with people that can sing and can play and can arrange music like Justin. So I'm just so grateful. Thank you for leading us. Thank you, uh, Jenny and Alicia, for um, directing the choir and making all that happen. And for everyone who took part, thank you so much. I know you've got one more one more song to lead us in, but I'm so it was so moving. Thank you so much. Um, I just uh, love it, love it. Um, if you would, uh, if you would turn with me uh, in your Bibles or look in the bulletin at 1 Corinthians 15. We're taking a break from Exodus. Um, the next passage was on do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal. And that is true and good. I, I thought we'd do something else on Easter. Um, um, so we come to the the Easter chapter. Besides the gospel accounts, this is the probably the most preached chapter um, on Easter. It's uh, as Paul engages with the Corinthians and explains the necessity of the resurrection, the necessity and the reality of the resurrection. So that, that's usually probably what you normally hear. Uh, we, we love that verse, the, end, the very end of, of, of 1 Corinthians 15, as it talks about where, O oh, death, is your victory, where is your sting. But the, I think most quoted is the first part as he talks about the fact that there was this false teaching in Corinth that there were people... and. Uh, that we're struggling to actually come to terms with, you mean people are raised from the dead bodily, a bodily resurrection, really? And they were skeptical. And they had, there was this false teaching in Corinth about not, not a bodily resurrection, but maybe a spiritual resurrection, or maybe that's not really what Paul meant. And Paul says, look, if you say there's no resurrection of the dead in the future, that means that not even Christ was raised. And if Christ wasn't raised, then what are we doing? That's not an exact quote. That's a paraphrase. But he says, we're, we're the most, most of all in the whole world to be pitied if our hope is just in this world. If it's just now. If it's, but if death hasn't been taken care of, if death hasn't been confronted, if God hasn't, hasn't dealt with our most, uh, you know, intense enemy, the, the result of the fall, then what are we doing? And, and he, he says that, that, no, no, there is a resurrection, a future resurrection, because Christ was raised. And if Christ wasn't raised, then none of this matters. And so that's the first part of 1 Corinthians. But now we're going to look at the second half to get to the, to the, the questions of, of how. What is it? How does God do that? What is it going to look like? Do you ever think about that? When is it going to happen? How, it, how is it going to happen? All these questions. And that's what he talks about in the second part of 1 Corinthians 15. This how and, and when and what is it going to feel like? What is it going to look like? That's what this chapter, these verses talk about. So, with that said, let me uh, pray again, and then we will uh, read uh, 1 Corinthians 15, starting with verse 35. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you 
that you answer not all of our questions, but you give us the, the big answers to the big questions. And you, there's, there's mystery. There's, I, I, sometimes we start to think about resurrection reality. We think about the glory to come. And we, it's hard to go there because this is the reality we know. But at the same time, we long for something better. And why would that be in our hearts? Why would we long for something better if there was not something better to long for? And Lord, so help us now to speak into our skepticism, speak into our doubt, speak into our, our hard hearts, Lord, and help us to, to be open and, 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 and excited about your resurrection and the resurrection to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as He has chosen into each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there's one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly is of another. There's one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So is it when the resurrection, with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, and what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is, of, that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, the, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust... We shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I will tell you this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall... Be changed, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. Who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, 
Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Uh, Most of us in this room are sports fans of some kind, whether it be football. Have you all heard of football? Uh, Soccer, some of you maybe. Uh, Tennis, basketball, pickleball. That's big now. Um, But um, we, we, we like sports, we like our entertainment. Uh, you like to, we all like to celebrate um, and root for our favorite team, our favorite player. Um, we love to cheer them on. And we love to say things like, we're having a good season. Uh, did you see us play yesterday? Or my team play yesterday? Things like, we have 18 national championships. Not all of you say that. But anyway... Uh, some of you will say 16. That's okay. That's fine. Anyway, but it's normal, but it's very inaccurate. And I'm not just talking about Alabama's championships, okay? I'm, just, I'm saying this. I'm saying we talk that way, but did you have anything to do with the game or the player or what they did? But we act like we do. You know? I, you know, I, yelling at the screen does not help. It makes me feel better. Uh, You know, cheering and and giving instructions or saying, why don't you run the ball? You know, I'm not really helping. But, you know, it's really them. I have nothing to do with it. I I don't contribute to success. I don't help them achieve success. And also, I don't get anything out of it. You know, I, I don't have an NIL deal. I didn't get a scholarship. I didn't get an endorsement deal. Um, I didn't get, you know, a trophy, a ring, or anything. So I don't contribute and I don't get anything out of it. Uh, and, but we still go, look at, look at what we did. Look at, look at my team. Um, but I want you to see this morning that the victory on Easter is also one we have no part in achieving, yet we do receive all the spoils. It is your victory. It is my victory, though I contribute nothing. It's different. It, we get all that comes with this resurrection victory. And that's so clearly explained here in this text. I have four short points. You hear four, you get worried. But here they are, they're short. We see first, in the first few verses, a resurrection explanation. Second, we see a resurrection transformation. Thirdly, resurrection exaltation. And fourth, resurrection motivation. Um, Explanation, transformation, exaltation, motivation, if you're taking notes. Okay. Um, 35 through 41. It starts with questions, doesn't it? And it starts with questions that you go, well, I don't know if you're supposed to ask questions like this. But isn't it, isn't it neat that, first of all, that Paul goes, someone's, gonna, someone's are asking this. Some of you may be thinking this. We're supposed to hope in this resurrection, but how are the dead raised? That's not natural, right? With what kind of body do they come? What's that going to be like? And he gives answers. He answers the first question, how are the dead raised? How can, how can life spring from death? 
And what does he give us? He gives us an illustration. He gives us this illustration of an agricultural illustration, of a, of a seed and plant. He says this, he goes, we, we've actually seen this before. Who's ever done any gardening? Who's ever done any farming? Some of you have. Some of you have a black thumb and you just stay away from it and that's okay. But some of you have green thumbs and you understand this. That what, what do you plant in the ground? You plant this dormant, dead thing, this seed. But by, by any, any you know, inspection, if you weren't you know, just, if you're just looking on the surface, this thing is nothing. I can't eat it. It's, it's, it's not going anywhere. But you put it in the ground... And because God, God, is, God made it so this, this thing that appears dead changes and changes, it comes to life and changes its form and turns into something completely different. He's saying we see it all the time. It's a common thing in our life to see, to put a seed in the ground and see life, fruit, something green and vibrant come from something that's dead and dormant. Amazing. I mean, you don't think about it that way. You go, well, that's just how plants work. That's science. That's not Bible. That's science. You know, we, we, we divide those up. But think about this. We realize that God reveals Himself. He reveals Himself, His glory, and who He is, what? In the relationships He's made. You know? We understand that how, to, how God loves us through parenting. That He... He didn't just, we don't just come up out of the ground like a plant. We're born into a family. We have parents and we're nurtured and we're loved. And, and we come in the world completely helpless and unable to do anything for ourselves. We have to look to others to care for us. And we learn what it means to, to love like a father and what it means to be loved as a, as a child. And, and God made us that way so we would understand who He is. And in the same way, God has given us a glimpse of what is this resurrection from the dead. But here in nature itself, the nature God made, all truth is God's truth. He gives us this little glimpse to help us get it. There's something that goes in the ground that's dead and it comes up alive. There it is. And you go, oh, maybe Paul's reaching. No, this is inspired word of God. This is how God made life to, to come forth, plant life to... He's saying here, just show us and give us hope and give us a, some kind of context for what that's going to be. This life out of death. The next question he says, the next thing he explains is, with what kind of body do they come? If the new body is not exactly the same as the one that died, how can we call it resurrection? you ever thought of that? You know, what about the people that died a long, long time ago? There's nothing left, Right? This is a weird thing. It's, it, he's, he's, it, but I love that he's like, let me, let me explain it to you. You know, sometimes we go, well, that's a spiritual reality. I don't, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet you in your question. I'm going to help you answer this question. How, how does it come about? What, I, I'm, we're going to be a, a bodily resurrection. It's going to be me, but a new, what does that mean? A new me, but me. But he says this, he, he goes again back to creation. He says, there exists, in creation, there exists differing degrees of glory. Differing, different degrees of glory, again, is the weightiness, the, 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 you know, the essence of something. And there's different degrees of splendor and glory in, in one life to the next, or one reality to the next. Um, he talks about... Um, 
Not all flesh is the same. You know, there's, uh, you know, there's different types of animals, different types of birds, different types of fish. And think about it. Do you, when, you go to, when you go to the zoo, do you want to go see the betta fish? No, betta fish are like, you know, they're common. Do you want to go see uh, a bass? at the? No, you've seen those before. You can go get one of those out of the creek, right? Anyway, you, you go to see what? The giraffe. There's no giraffes around here. That's amazing, right? I've never seen that. That's impressive, right? The elephants, the tigers. I'm trying to, you know, the bulldogs, whatever. Anyway, going back to the football. But you want, th- things have different, y- you don't always go, wow, you know? You go, huh, okay. There's different degrees of glory, different things that impress. He talks about the, the things in the, of the heavens. There's a, the, the moon is beautiful. You know, I can look at the moon. And, you know, I, don't look at the sun for too long, people. It's got a different degree of glory. It's more glorious. It's more bright. And the more we know about creation, the more we know about these things, the, the more impressed we should be. Not, you know... I could list you statistics of like how many, you know, how big the sun is and, and how powerful it is compared to a nuclear explosion and all these things. I didn't do that. I don't want to bore you with that. But it's amazing when you understand the, the scope and the, and, the, and the bigness and, the, and the, um, you know, how, how powerful the sun is and how wonderful it is. But there's, there's different degrees of glory in nature. And he's saying what's going to happen, what's going to change for you and me is a change of degrees of glory. It's still, it's still you, it's still me, but there'll be a more glorious, more beautiful, a more you-you, if you will. Can God do this? Yes. We see it throughout His creation. We see Him pointing to this this resurrection reality and what he's made, this differing, this difference in glory from one thing to the next. Of, and, and he's saying that you are you, but you're going to be made more glorious. That he's going to bring life out of death and change the degree of glory from what we are now to something even more beautiful. And that, I don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you don't have glory and value and worth right here and now. Right here and now, God looks at you and he says, you're my treasured possession. But if someone say, uh, Lily, Fran, or Betsy give me a finger-painted picture of our family, and then somebody else gives me a, a Monet, an original, <laughs> okay? That finger paint's still precious. <laughs> I still love it. It's no Monet, right? <laughs> it's no Picasso, or whatever your favorite artist is. So it's not that we don't have value and worth and glory now. We're loved and precious, but God says, I'm going to make you into who you are, the fullness of who you can be, more glorious than you've ever thought. There's a resurrection explanation. How can life spring from death? There's this, we see it in nature. How can we be the same but different? We see it in the stars and the heavens. We see it in creation itself. God points to this in what He has made. Um... It's His purpose for us, and He has the ability to accomplish it. Secondly, we see resurrection transformation. What will it be like? We see that in verses 42 through 49. What does He say? He says that 
With the resurrection of the dead, what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. What is sown in dishonor is raised in glory. What is sown in weakness is raised in power. What is sown natural be raised a spiritual body. Perishable to imperishable, we get that. We understand what it means to be perishable. We've, we've endured death, we've seen death, we've, we've had family and people that we know die. We, we understand that. We recognize as you get older that you're kind of perishing. I mean, look, I'm wearing these. I, the, the eyes didn't need this before, now they do. And, and so it, it, you feel it, right? And outwardly we're, we're wasting away, but in, inwardly we're being renewed. But, but we feel it. And we experience it. And he's saying that this new glory, this new degree of glory, this resurrection glory, it it will be imperishable. Death can't touch it. No No more loss of ability or sight. No more aches or pains. No more death. That this death is a one time event, and then what's raised, there will be no more death. It's not like the resurrection of Lazarus where he died and was brought back and then what happened? He died again. But this, this resurrection he's talking about, this glorious resurrection, is one where death is done away with. Perishable to imperishable. Dishonor to glory. And what does that mean? Dishonor to glory. Well, he gives us some... He talks about how Adam was of the dust... And that Adam, because of the fall, would return to dust. That's in Genesis 3.19. But, but after the resurrection, we were all made new. There'll be no more dishonor. There'll be no more going back to the dust. There'll be no more sin. There'll be no more um, struggle with, with sin any longer. No more temptation to sin any longer, but we will be perfectly, our minds, our hearts will be perfectly conformed to to God's. What was weak will then become, where there's weakness, there will then be power. And in death, the soul is separated from the body, leaving it powerless, an empty shell. But then in the resurrection, the soul and body will become one. It will be a, 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 glory soul, a glorious soul and a glorious body, a resurrection body, and the two will never be separated, separated again. And finally it says we'll go from a, a natural body to a spiritual body. And this doesn't mean an immaterial like ghost self. We think spiritual is what we think. We think kind of, you know, immaterial. But he's talking about spiritual, he's talking about physical bodies that are completely spirit-filled and spirit-governed. I'm convinced that's what he means. No longer limited by the laws of time and space even. Consider Jesus entering that locked room. Remember Jesus? Resurrected Jesus enters into the room that's locked. And I believe it's, in, uh, it's, it's C.S. Lewis that says, it's not that he was wispy vapor, but that everything else was less material than him. I love that. Is that Jesus wasn't really there? No, he, he, he's appeared and then he touched, the, he touched his scars and saw his wounds. And it's not that he was less material, but everything else was less he was more real and more solid than anything else. And, and, and that's, the, that's the, I think, the spiritual body he's talking about. No longer 
being the image of the fallen Adam, but, but being in the image of the risen Christ. From, from the one who has, was given life to the one who gives life. Dr. Kistemacher says, Adam and all his descendants have their origin in the dust of the earth, but Jesus has his origin in heaven and therefore confers on all his people heavenly glory. 1 John 3.2 says, Beloved, we are, not, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see Him as He is. Resurrection explanation. How? What, how can that be? What does it look like? Resurrection transformation. From one degree of glory to the next. And thirdly, resurrection exaltation. We see that in verses 50 through 57. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I will tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When will this happen? When can we look forward to this beautiful change, transformation as God's people at the last trumpet, at the coming of our King? We see this also in Revelation 11. The seventh trumpet being blown. Revelation 11, 15-17. It says, Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sit on the thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to You, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for You have taken Your great power and begun to reign. In that moment, in time and space, Christ will come again to consummate this kingdom. He is reigning, but He will come into the fullness of His reign. This is that the now but not yet of, of, of the kingdom of God. Is, is He reigning on the throne now? Yes. Can we look to Him and trust Him now? Yes. Is there anything beyond His control right now? No. But is He coming again to bring this, His reign into its completion? Yes, He is. And when, how long will it take? It says, in a moment. I wish I could snap louder, but there you go. In a moment. In a moment. We will be transformed. I love that. In a moment, in the twinkling of, a, of an eye, at the last trumpet. Jesus is victorious over the last enemy. Verse 26 of this chapter, the last enemy, death. Here in that moment, when He comes and the trumpet sounds, death will be put to death. 
death will be put to death. Do you long for that? Just, I say that. I'm saying it to you now. As a, as a preacher, as, as a pastor, death will be put to death. And I, it's... Death is so oppressive and near. It's, isn't it hard to even say that? So, I mean, as a Christian, as, I, as I'm in the hospital room, as I've watched people die, as I've talked to police officers who've seen horrible things, it's, how do we normally deal with death? If we're honest, we just try to think about it. We uh, check out who uh, check out the football team. <laughs> Coming back to that, we distract ourselves. We entertain ourselves. I do it. We we don't we don't think about it. But what if we started really just. And some of us who are older on, you know, the other side of 40, you start thinking about it. You start thinking about wills. <laughs> start thinking about that reality. But what if we looked squarely at it and saw it for what it is and didn't try to act like it wasn't happening, didn't try to act like it wasn't going to touch us, didn't try to act like we don't and try to think about it, but think about it and think about it as the enemy, as the thing we hate, it's the thing that we long to be rid of. It's this enemy pursuing us. And then if we see it and just would, would look, and then we would rejoice more and more in this resurrection reality, wouldn't we? But sometimes we go, yeah, he's taking away death. And we just try to think about death so it doesn't impact us. But if you could see death for what it is, then you could see the resurrection for what it is. What an amazing victory it is. What an amazing reality it is for you and for me. That this last enemy, death, Jesus has defeated. It's not just His enemy, it's your enemy, it's my enemy. It's the enemy of this broken world and Jesus says, I've had enough, I'm telling, dealing with it. Right? I have the power to lay down my life and to take it up again. And we go, yeah! Right? Because we hate it. And we long for it to quit pursuing us. We long for this world to be made new. Death is put to death. The victory is accomplished. And the victory is coming for all of us. We get to, we get to revel in and experience this victory that God, that Christ has wrought, has won. And He does that. He puts away the sting of death. He removes it. The sting of death is sin. And He's taking care of it because He died on the cross. We've, he's, we can't, again, we can't separate the cross from, from, the, from the resurrection. He died. He was our atoning sacrifice. The, sin, the, the, the guilt of sin has been paid. The, 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 the requirement for righteousness has been fulfilled. He kept God's good and holy law. And He has fulfilled it. Now, 
The sting is taken away. Death is undone. This is what Christ has done. He is the answer. He kept the law perfectly. He he endured death and He defeated it so you and I won't have to endure death forever. Resurrection explanation, resurrection transformation, resurrection exaltation, and finally, finally, resurrection motivation. This, This is the last verse. Verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers... Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. There's a whole book of the Bible about vanity and futility. Uh, Justin has been preaching on it as he's filled in. He's, I think he's going to do it again in a few weeks. Uh, at the beginning of May, he's going to fill in again. But on the futility of this fallen world... How do, we, how do we keep going? How do, it, it feels so wearisome, doesn't it? It feels so hard. It feels so, so overwhelming to keep fighting the good fight of faith. But because of the resurrection, because, because this is true, we can do what it's saying. We can, we can be steadfast and movable, doing the work of the Lord. Why? Because He's coming. He is coming. He is risen. And He's coming again. Can I get an amen? Amen. Alright. He's coming. Okay, that's, that's why this isn't futile. If there was no resurrection of Christ, this would all be futile. But He is raised. There is life everlasting. This is not as good as it gets. Can I get an amen? <laughs> there is a finish line. There is a, the good fight of faith has a final round. There's a final bell. We who are presently united to Christ will be made whole and glorious in His coming. That's all true. And that should motivate us. That should motivate us. What Christ has done, what Christ is doing, but what He will do. We're living for that. And what we do now matters and will matter for eternity because of that resurrection hope we have. Today matters for you because you are eternal. That you will be glorious as Christ. You will be imperishable. You will have a spiritual body. You'll be totally, you and I totally in line with our Creator and our Redeemer. We will see Him face to face and we will be like Him Not God, but like Him as we are made to be. Because He has done it. He has won the day. This morning, I want you to know that our Lord Jesus Christ's resurrection is a guarantee of your resurrection whenever He comes again. And He is coming. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank You. For the resurrection reality. That you really did die. You gave up your spirit. And you took it up again in power. In might you overcame the last enemy death. And you've taken away the sting of death which is sin. And we praise you and we rejoice in that today. Above all other days of the year. But we thank you that we can revel in that goodness every time. Every time we come together in worship. That this is not futile, 
that we do not labor in vain, for you have won the day for us. Lord, help us now to, to remember that and may the meal that we're about to partake just bring that home to us, that you have made promises to us. You told us to anticipate your coming. You've told us that you will take up the cup again with us when you come again. Lord, help this meal to strengthen our faith, that by your Spirit, use it to draw us near to you. May we commune with you as we take this meal and know that you have done the work of redemption. You have achieved victory over the grave. You are transforming, sanctifying us in your, and making us in your image. And you will bring all that to fruition, all that to conclusion, all that to the ultimate goal of being with you, like you forever. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.
We invite all committed followers of Jesus Christ to share in this sacrament. Those who are baptized members of a congregation that proclaims the gospel, who are pursuing peace with their neighbor and at peace with God, who seek strength to live in a deeper communion with Christ. If you are not a Christian, or you're not prepared to share in this meal, we encourage you to spend this time in prayer. We hope that this time is helpful to you as you consider your relationship with Christ Jesus, with His people, the church. Um, God has provided peace through the death, the resurrection of His Son. And this meal is to help us see that, help remind us of that, and by, through the Spirit, to just make that peace more real to us. So I um, invite you, um, res- um, brothers and sisters in Christ, to partake um, and, and to be reminded and encouraged in your union with Him, Him who, who died and who rose again. Um, if you are new here, just want to tell you how we do this. If you're in this back section here, I want you to go, you go to the, be served at the table in the back. If you're in this section behind the, this wall, you'll go to that, that table. And if you're in these front three sections, you'll come forward to this table. So now let's come and uh, feed on Christ by faith.